brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. What's up, guys? In case you haven't heard, Blue Wire Studios just dropped their first original podcast, Golden Goal. The show gives you 10-minute episodes all about soccer legends and the moments that made them. Whether you're just learning about soccer for the first time or a diehard fan, this podcast is a great listen for everyone. The final two episodes are live right now or binge the entire season to learn about your favorite soccer stars. Check out Blue Wire's Golden Goal, available anywhere you listen to podcasts. Well, you know you're listening to Talk Rope Nation. You might know I'm Jim Ross, the voice of AEW, and we're glad you're with us. We're going to have one hell of a podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, it is no time. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. I finished these fights. Give me a hell yeah. Top Rope Nation. Learn to love it. It's the best thing going today. What's up, guys? Hopefully you had a great weekend. It's episode 158 of Top Rope Nation. This one's going to be a little bit different. Uh, This is going to be, for the entirety of the podcast, a mailbag show. You guys are choosing the topics. Everything we talk about is questions you have sent in to topropenation at gmail.com. Anyone that sends in a question that we read on the air, we do these mailbag segments periodically on the show. If we read your question on the air, we're sending you a free Top Rope Nation sticker in the mail. So everyone that you hear tonight is getting that free gift from the show. So with that said, my name is Ryan Drosty of cbscomicbook.com, and I am joined by both Kyle Ross and Justin Joint tonight as we talk about these mailbag questions. Tons of topics uh, in the bag for tonight. We're going to be hitting on old school stuff, new school stuff, pretty much every end of the wrestling spectrum. We've got a whole list. We'll do as many as we can get to in the next half hour or or so. So uh, first of all, Justin, you ready to dive into the mailbag? Yeah, I'm just curious as to uh, what random band is going to be referenced this week since we got Firehouse last week and (laughs) uh, Billy Joel's River of Dreams two weeks ago. (laughs) Yes, it might come up. There might be a question involving music. No one does the early 90s like us, do we? Uh, That that is for sure. (laughs) Showing our age. You got all these like 
teenagers and 20 somethings listening to the show wonder what the hell are these guys talking about i mean i like them they're entertaining but i don't know what the hell they're talking we are about. not the demo kings <laughs> <laughs> speaking of that i do have to mention um as we talk about you know the usual housekeeping things if you're listening on apple Podcasts, please hit subscribe leave us a five-star rating and even better yet leave us a written review if you leave a written review we will in fact read it on the air and send you a free gift in the mail as long as you leave us your Twitter or Instagram username so we can get a hold of you and get that address. Uh, we've actually had a few new reviews come in in the last uh, couple of weeks, and I wanted to mention them. That. That, that made me uh, think of it, by the way, because this one's from Quincy Poindexter. He says, I'm not a huge wrestling fan, but this podcast is entertaining, even when I don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Quincy, for that one. And uh, let's see, we got one more. This one comes in from SaxPlayer1401. He says, for all levels of fandom, I recently learned about this podcast from the two jabronis with the wrestling podcast show. Shout out to those guys, our Blue Wire brethren. And he says, couldn't be happier that I found it. Helps me keep up with my wrestling news since I can't always watch as much as I like. So thank you to SaxPlayer. 1401 for the review we'll read your review on the air leave it on apple Podcasts. of course hit subscribe wherever you get podcasts whether that is spotify TuneIn, stitcher podbean wherever podcasts are found check out topropenation.com while you're at it so i think we'll just jump right in the mailbag here first question this one comes from james from denver colorado and james writes what do you guys think of the new u.s title and has there ever been a time where a new title has been better than the old? Justin Joint, you commented on my Instagram post when we uh, when they unveiled the U.S. title. What do you think of it? You know, I was very negative towards it at first. Uh, now I feel like at at worst it's just a lateral move. Uh, the first time I saw it, it must not have been a good picture because the the eagle looked like an owl to me. For whatever yeah. reason, like mm. the top of its head looked like eyes. Um, I think the top part of it where the stars are should be blue. I, it doesn't make sense to me that it's not. Um, it, in a very negative way, reminds me of John Cena's spinner title in a mm. bit. Um, so that's not good. Do, 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 do. That's really not good. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but yeah, I, I'd, I'd say uh, it's grown on me a little bit. Uh, I'd, I'd say it's a lateral move as far as the U.S. title is concerned. Uh, I, I'd say both the new one and the previous one uh, both pale in comparison to the WCW version. Oh, yeah. That is for sure. I, I've also softened on it a little bit. I didn't really like it at all at first. It's okay. I don't love it, but to your point about painting the top blue, I've seen some photoshops of that people have done. And it would look way better if they did that. I've people have done some mock-ups of that. And it looks a lot better. Um, Maybe it's think, just Kyle? unfinished like the TNT title. Yes. <laughs> I I'm pretty neutral when it comes to title belts. I, you know, I don't really care about the United States title, no matter what, no matter what <laughs> it looks like right now in the WWE. I will answer the second question though. Yeah. Uh, as far as a new title better than the old. I think there is a pretty safe answer to that question. The winged Eagle. Yeah. Late eighties. That's what I was going to go with too. Uh, that was a better design than the belt that Hogan held when he beat the iron Sheik and held for the entirety of his first run. It was, I believe debuted at the main event, right? When he lost to Andre. 
The Winged Eagle? Yeah, yeah. in 88. Yeah, that is yeah, one of his debut. They had promised at WrestleMania 3, if you recall, that Andre, there was a new belt going to be made for Andre when he won. Now, obviously, he lost, and so that, that just kind of wasn't talked about. And then, yeah, the first main event show on NBC, they busted out the Winged Eagle. Yep. Yeah, to a lot of people, the Winged Eagle, the WF t- title they had from 88 to 98 is the best title of all time or right up there. I would say that and the, the classic IC title are my favorite title belts of all time. That that was immediately my answer. Uh, another one I could maybe say, so the title they had immediately after the Winged Eagle that people called the Big Eagle that they debuted in 98, that was okay, but I liked the Winged Eagle so much that I didn't, I didn't like it that much. But then when they went to the Undisputed title, in uh like oh two i really like that belt a lot mm-hmm. that one might have been an upgrade from the from the big eagle belt i think in my opinion those are the ones that jump out to me right away i don't know if you guys have anything else all the late 80s upgrades i think were improvements from where they were at in the mid 80s early 80s like the tag belts mm-hmm. the intercontinental the classic intercontinental was a better look than the one greg valentine destroyed after losing it to santana so um yeah yeah, I know. I know. I'm in the minority, uh, and I've spoken about this before. But the uh, current tag titles, maybe not the the leather, you know, based on SmackDown or Raw. I, I'm a big fan of those. Uh, they seem truly unique. I, I like the kind of the Roman back to back helmets. Uh, I think it's just a nice, clean, unique look uh, for the tag team belts. Yeah, a lot of people really like those. Those are pretty popular. You yeah, know, and the weird thing is like. Obviously, a lot of wrestling is subjective, but you know, there. If we have any, like, you know, people listening to this in their, you know, younger twenties, late teens, they're probably thinking their favorite belt is John Cena's spinner. Oh, you know, because no. <laughs> I, I think for a lot of us, that that is almost by far the worst, you know, yeah. quote unquote upgrade or change of a world title. And you know, the reason they kept it around so long is because apparently it's sold. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess Cena like was so Divas popular. Title. That that yeah. was an upgrade. The Divas title to to the current one. Yeah, yeah. The thing about the Cena one was that you know, like it was a personalized title, and then they would keep it regardless of who had. I guess Edge did his like take on it, but overall, it was just like, yeah, I didn't really, I didn't care for that. And it was such a downgrade from the undisputed title, which I think is still one of their best belts they've had in the last couple of decades. So. It's a good question, though. Something to think about. Um, Our next one, this one comes from Mark in St. Paul, Minnesota. This is about the show itself. He says, what made you guys start the podcast? So if you really want the full, like the long-term story, go back to episode 100. We celebrated our 100th episode last summer. I did a full, like, history of how the show came about, Kyle, Justin, all of that. The short of it is that I wanted to do a podcast for years, going back to like the mid-2000s. Kyle had done a podcast back then. He was experienced in the venture. And um, I was running a website called topropepress.com. And both Kyle and Justin had written for the website. And so we used the website to kind of launch the show, Top Rope Nation. And that's where the name comes from. And uh, I did one show with a guy named Jason Stout, who wrote for us on Top Rope Press. And then he bowed out. And Kyle came in, episode two, and Kyle's been here ever since, so almost every single show. 
And in, that was in the summer of 2016. We're coming up on our four-year anniversary. And then in the winter going into 2017, there was a few weeks where I think it was around bowl season, probably. Kyle couldn't do the show. So I brought in Justin as a sub. Justin was like one of our main listeners. He always texted feedback about the show, was a huge fan of it. And so one week I was just like, hey, do you want to guest host? Because Kyle can't do it. So he came on and he fit in perfectly. And uh, I thought, hey, we should just keep him around. So we made it a trio. And that's pretty much stuck ever since. Top Rope Press shut down, kept the, kept the podcast going. We used to simulcast the show on Top Rope Press, which the site got a good amount of hits. So it was really good for our download numbers. But when we sh- initially shut down the website, we really kind of had to rebuild our audience a little bit. So that, that's been a process. But I think we got it back. We're doing really good now. But uh, yeah, that was, uh, was kind of the process behind the podcast. And like I said, check out episode 100 last summer if you want to hear the f- more details on all of that. Okay, next question. This one comes from Smith in Billings, Montana. My God, we're getting, we're getting downloads in Billings, Montana now. Expanding West. He says, thoughts on the recently completed New Japan Cup, specifically the decision to make evil a double champ at Dominion. So that was pretty exciting because we've got live crowds back in pro wrestling over in Japan because they know how to wear face masks, Kyle. Um, I actually haven't had a chance to watch those shows yet. Uh, but what do you make about, about this, Mr. Ross? Remains hmm. to be seen. You hate to give a hot take and six months later feel like an asshole about it. But I can't help but think Shingo Takagi would have been a better option for that spot if they wanted to push someone new. And by the way, I mentioned last week that the Ishii Takahashi match, I wasn't as high on as most people. Mm. I noticed there was a little bit of a raised eyebrow coming from Iowa when I made that remark, Mr. Drosty. So I went back and I checked something. I watched it again and it, it had parts that were good, but it also got boring. And so I watched Takagi and Ishii from the G1 last year. And my God, is that match so much better? Yeah, Takahashi, that was awesome Ishii. Yeah. So I don't know, man. We'll see. I just think that if they wanted to push someone new at the top of the card, I think Shingo Takagi was the guy. We'll see. So. I mean, I was shocked that Naito lost the belts, to be honest. I mean, that was like such a long time coming oh, for him. But And I'll tell you what, Evil and Okada and Evil and Naito, those were not good matches. Yeah. They just weren't. I was definitely shocked when I woke up on, uh, I guess it would have been Sunday morning and saw the result. But we'll see how it plays out. But uh, I do have to say, I, you know, I'm kind of excited about watching New Japan and checking up and uh, catching up now that they actually have fans in attendance. So... Definitely something they got going for them over there that we don't have. Uh, next question, Rob from Waco, Texas, says, after last week's record low Raw rating, is Bruce Pritchard already in trouble? So we had some exclusive news about Paul Heyman when he left Raw Creative and, and what uh, went into that decision and everything. I think this is, this is an interesting question. I think Vince will probably be a little easier maybe on Bruce because they've got such a long-term history working together going back to the 1980s, although it has been kind of a fiery history at times. But, um, you know, we, we know behind the scenes, WWE has become a little bit more concerned about what's been going on with their viewership in, uh, in recent weeks. So that we'll have to see. But what do you guys think? I think a better way to ask this question would be chat me up, Bruce. 
How is it they only drew? How is it that you only drew one and a half million people for an episode of Monday Night Raw in July uh, of 2020? <laughs> I think it's just indicative of this no crowd era we're in right now. It just again we we it's just so it's such a tough watch. I specifically WWE. You can watch AEW. Yes, like we talked about on Thursday's show, and they do a good job with it. But that's more on the production side than the booking. I think just production wise, AEW comes across so much more like a traditional wrestling show with with a crowd there the crowd is louder it just they have a better environment when you watch wwe even when they have the people in the performance center there's just so many dead silent periods watching that it's just a boring watch you just can't we've said this the entire last four months pro wrestling just doesn't work without a crowd and it's it's a tough watch I get that, but the WWE has not been booked well. I don't think this is even a Heyman versus Pritchard thing. Because, look, when something would go right during Heyman's tenure, what was the narrative? Oh, Paul's able to push his way through Heyman's fingerprints. He's able to get past Vince. Mm. But if something was bad, what was the narrative? Oh, you, you just can't overcome Vince. Yeah. And with Bruce, it's interesting that the narrative is, you know, if it's been, oh, Bruce was going old, people, oh, what a mistake. I don't think this is young versus old, stars, Bruce versus Paul. I just think it's, quite frankly, if you weren't someone who followed the rumors online, would you even really know that there was a change made in creative? The WWE television product has been awful for over a year. I don't care who's producing it. Seven out of every eight weeks, Raw stinks. Yeah. And that's even with crowds going back to 2019. It's no good. And they're handicapped by a lot. Three-hour Raws, it's an albatross. But, I mean, you just look at it, it's just, it's not interesting. Yeah. Nothing happens. You're not rewarded as a viewer for paying attention. Look at that SmackDown a week and a half ago when... (laughs) It made sense early in the pandemic because, you know, they didn't really know what was going on. They were showing archival content and stuff. They didn't know how long it was going to last. You know, they showed a week and a half ago, they showed the entire Money in the Bank match, pay-per-view match between Wyatt and Strowman took up a quarter of the broadcast. Like, really? I mean, that match was like a month and a half ago. You know, it's just boring. And and the match wasn't good. No. Just, Why would you reshow that match? I know, exactly. I mean, you'd be better off reshowing Tito Santana versus Greg Valentine from 1984. Yeah. Yeah, because, well, hey, at least less people would have seen it. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, all right, we're going to hit a couple more of these questions. Before we do, let's go to a quick word from our friends over at Bet Online. Sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. And there's no better place to start than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Get in on the action for this week's big UFC fight, or check out odds on NASCAR, Formula One, and the Premier League. Can't wait for your team to come back? Bet Online has futures odds, including win totals, division winners, and even the championships. Or check out our daily simulations of Madden and NBA 2K to watch and wager on. Visit betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE, that's BLUEWIRE, to receive your new welcome bonus. BetOnline, your wagering experts.
All right. So we got time to hit a few more questions. This next one comes from Mike in Wisconsin. Mike says, who is the most talented wrestler never to be a world champion? This is a really good question. Ever since I read this one this afternoon, I've been thinking about it. And uh, I have one name kind of in my head. The, the first one I would go to is Kurt Hennig. Everyone that worked with Kurt Hennig talks about how great he was. Never got to be a world champion on, on WWF or WCW. Because the uh, AWA title does not count in your Yeah, <laughs> so I, that's why I said WWF or WCW. Uh, you know, he definitely had the wrestling ability. He was unbelievably charismatic. He was good on the microphone. Uh, if Kurt Hennig came along in this period in pro wrestling, there's no doubt he would be a world champion, especially with two world champions, uh, in the WWE, let alone AEW. So to me, that's one name that comes right to my head. I don't know if you guys have some that you've been thinking about at all. Feel free Um, to jump in. Justin. I, this is, you know, uh, part partly shitty memory, partly WCW's horrible booking. But I need to confirm with you guys: did did Piper ever win the WCW title? No, I don't think so. Yeah. Okay, because he's he's basically always the first name that pops up for me yeah. is Rowdy Piper. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he was basically the you know in in the heyday MTV rock and roll wrestling. He was number two behind Hulk Hogan, and and it's pretty shocking that he never got a run, especially when you consider that he was both a phenomenal heel and a a terrific baby face. Yeah, absolutely. I think what's interesting about this question is the answers are all going to be from the eighties, which shows how valuable the world title was back then compared to the modern day. Great. Mm -hmm. Like, Almost anyone who does a decent job probably gets a world title run of some sort, especially now that there's two in WWE, yeah. right? So you, you don't even, like, to me, my mind doesn't even go to modern times. Um, I think you guys picked two good ones if we're strictly talking about WWF, WCW titles. Uh, two names I'll throw out there, Ted DiBiase, Tully Blanchard. Mm. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> one more that just popped in my head. Uh, and, and I think about it often just because I wonder – if it would have eventually happened is Owen Hart. Does he at least eventually get, I don't, I'm going to, I'm going to get like a say sympathy run. I I don't mean to uh, downgrade it at all, but WWE seems to oftentimes somebody puts in the time. And then this kind of goes to the whole devaluing the title is kind of everybody gets a turn with it, whether or not maybe they deserve it or not. You know, you think about guys like Christian. I love Christian. He's great in the ring. Um, I, you know, should he have ever been world champion? You know, I'm fine with it. But those kind of guys wouldn't have ever been champion in the 80s when the belt was far more valuable. Yeah. I think if you look at the the Owen thing, I, I don't see it because you look at the era that played out after his untimely death. I mean, that's like, you've got Austin, Rock, Triple H. He's not going to get the title in that era. And, you know, when those guys, by the time Austin and Rock hang it up and leave the promotion, Owen's going to be pretty old and they're not going to see him at that level anymore. If, he, if you know, if Owen 
would have lived to like 2002. Yeah. Yeah. I think there was two times during his actual career where you could have made an argument for it. I think late in 94, there could have been an argument for Owen to get the belt with that feud with Brett uh, and for them to build to a rematch, you know, like the, the match that they had at WrestleMania, they could have, I guess that was so good. They could have, they could almost done a return match at WrestleMania 11 for the title, to be honest with Owen walking in champion and Brett walking out champion. Uh, So I could, I could see that, you know, especially since they put the title on Bob Backlund during that period, you could make an argument during that period. The other, the other time would be like right after Brett left after Montreal, it would have messed with what they had planned for Austin unless you did Austin and Owen, but Austin didn't want to work with him, you know, mm-hmm. at WrestleMania. What I'm thinking is, and probably Michaels wouldn't have ever agreed to it was Owen gets revenge for his brother, gets a little brief period with the belt and drops it to Austin or something like that. But they wanted to do Michaels Austin, but you, you could have seen Owen being a bigger star in that 98 period right after Montreal than he ended up being. I mean, he was very, very popular in the weeks after that. Because yes, of it was just a case of bad timing. And yeah. who were the two people that made it better at WrestleMania? Like you said, neither of them were going to work with Owen. Oh, I mean, I guess Sean did, but he just kind of wanted to get through it and they just transitioned him to Hunter. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, if that wasn't already planned to be Austin's shining moment, you know, they certainly could have built to <laughs> a, like a Michaels and Owen match at WrestleMania. But uh, no, it was Steve Austin's time. But, uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. And then we've got, let's see, this one is from Katie, one of the female fans checking in from Santa Fe, New Mexico. And Katie writes, what are some of the best extreme or hardcore matches in WWF history? And has there ever been a good extreme rules pay-per-view show? Well, speak of the devil, Kyle Ross, you just mentioned to us the other day that you had rewatched an extreme rules pay-per-view show. Which one was that? 2012. Where does this thing rank among the all-time great WWF pay-per-views? Slash E. Uh, You have Punk and Jericho, which is better than their WrestleMania match. Not as good as their payback match the following year. Daniel Bryan and Sheamus, two out of three falls. Uh, Probably Sheamus' best match ever and features a incredible Daniel Bryan pre-match promo where he lists off the reasons why he's better than Sheamus and starts with, quote, I get more chicks than Shanks. Unbelievable promo <laughs> from D. Bryan. And then you have the Cena-Lesnar match. Lesnar's first match back where everyone second-guessed the booking of that thing to death. Yeah, Don't know how you beat Brock Lesnar's first match back. I think that was questionable. But So that's, to answer the second part, uh, yeah, there has been a good Extreme Rules pay-per-view show. 2012, for that era of WWE, one of the best pay-per-view shows they did. I need to watch rewatch that one. I don't. I've definitely not seen that since it aired. So, yeah, uh, Justin, you have any favorite kind of extreme matches, hardcore matches? Um, first one that came to mind was uh, Triple H and Cactus Jack from the Royal Rumble. Mm-hmm. It's just an all timer. Um, boy, yeah, uh, the Mick Foley and Randy Orton, and the Mick Foley and Edge from WrestleMania. Uh, 22 are, are both really good ones yeah gotta get gotta have some red man gotta have some red yeah yeah f- yeah Foley and edge is one i was going to mention as well and also i really like the royal rumble match too with triple h and, and foley 
much better, I think, than the No Way Out match they did the next month with the gimmick Hell in the Cell spots. I really <clears throat> like the Royal Rumble match a lot better. So the Triple H Cactus match totally changed the main event style of the promotion moving forward. In addition to completely making Triple H, I mm-hmm. mean, the difference in how he was perceived as a worker after that match compared to before is just crazy. Yeah. Like, I mean, Absolutely. he just went on the best run of his career from that. Yep. Point. Absolutely. All right. One more. I think we got time for one more question before we take this home. And this one is geared towards something Kyle said on our Thursday show. Uh, the person writes in, this is Lamar in Terre Haute, Indiana says on Thursday show, Kyle mentioned Ryback and team hell no versus the shield from TLC 2012. What are the other best WWE matches from the past decade, including NXT? Holy cow. <laughs> that oh, wait. is a question. It's ex- excluding. Excluding NXT. Oh, yeah, excluding. Yeah, okay. excluding NXT. Oh, man. I, I'd say probably Punk and Cena at Money yep. in the Bank 2011 mm-hmm. is the first one. I just really, really love yeah. that match. That's the only one that might be better. I mean, so I just watched that Ryback and Team Hell versus the Shield again. That's why I said it. And it's, it's, I'm glad that we got a question to follow up on it. And that really is a perfect match, man. It reminded me a lot of the Foley and Friends <laughs> versus the Nasty Boys from WCW 94 in that it was just nonstop action. It was a, it's how a fight should be presented. Uh, within the landscape of pro wrestling. As far as other top matches for the WWE of the decade, yeah, you mentioned Cena Punk. I would go the two matches from SummerSlam 2013, Punk and Lesnar and Cena and Bryan. That Cena Lesnar match from Extreme Rules. Uh, the, the Cena, Rollins, and Lesnar match from the Royal Rumble. Triple threat, yeah, that would be up there. Daniel Bryan and Triple H from Mania 30. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cena actually went on a pretty nice uh, run, especially when you include the Summer Slams. Is you know he had the one with Brian. He had a really good one with Rollins. Uh, he had a good one against Styles. Uh, him and Styles had another good one at the Royal Rumble. Yeah, uh, the and, super and, indie style of John yeah. Cena when he did that. Um, and then he he had a couple classics against uh, Kevin Owens too. Yes. Oh, when Owens first came in, yeah, those are great matches. Shield versus Wyatt family should also be on the list from Elimination Chamber 2014. Yes, that was a really good one. Um, what's the best women's match from the last 10 years? <sighs> Bailey, Ooh. Sasha, TakeOver, Brooklyn. Doesn't count. It's NXT. I know, but... That, that me, is that's... the best one, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Main roster? A... Oh, man. Okay, I... I'm trying to think. There was that stretch in late 2018 when you had Becky and Charlotte. Was that the Evolution pay-per-view? Yes, that's the one I was thinking of. The mm. last last woman standing. Yeah. yeah. Charlotte and Ronda was really good at Survivor Series. Yeah. Yep. And then whatever the December paper, it's TLC, right? It was doing December. Becky yep. and Asuka had a TLC match. Which, I can't remember. Was that a triple threat with Charlotte in that too? Or was yes. That just Becky? Nope, okay. that was a triple threat. Okay. Mm. Yeah, those were the ones that jumped out to me. Yeah. I would say for the best of the, the decade too, I guess Sean and Taker at 26 oh, gets yes. into that yeah. conversation. That, counts, that was in yeah, 2010. Yeah, it's 2010. Yes. 
So it's the first first year of the decade. So we got to mention that um, one too. And not that me or Kyle would ever draft it, but I, I think you have to mention the end of an era. <laughs> Hell in a Cell match from 28. 28. I would Kyle would say 27. Like yeah. <laughs> you would you would not mention that one, Kyle, but you would say WrestleMania 27, right? You like that one better. They were in the consideration for match of the decade. Stop it. Um, <laughs> and for and for just for me personally, I, I want to throw out there because obviously a huge part of wrestling is the in-ring work, but also to me it's the build, it's the culmination. So I would like to also throw out uh, the Brian Orton Batista WrestleMania 30. It was a little too gimmicked up, uh, but uh, just a fantastic finish. And then also uh, Kofi winning at 35. Yeah, that was a hell of a match too. Yeah. So, all right. Well, hey, that was fun. Uh, we'll probably do this again, and we'll we'll continue to do questions on our weekly shows. Usually we throw those in on the Thursday shows. So uh, we might do a couple this Thursday. So if you got a question, topropenation at gmail.com. Send it in. If we pick it for the show, like I said at the beginning, we'll send you a free Top Rope Nation sticker in the mail. So got something on your mind, let us know. Talk about it on the show. So, uh, yeah, with that being said, again, make sure to subscribe wherever you're finding your podcast. Make sure to leave us a rating five-star review on apple specifically helps us out a lot and check out patreon patreon.com slash top rope nation before the end of july if you sign up for five dollars you can get a t-shirt in the mail bonus content top rope nation classics we've done tons of them in the past they're all available immediately once you sign up and uh, other exclusive like getting our show notes each and every week as well so with that being said, I'm Ryan Drosty here for Kyle Ross and Justin Joint. We'll see you guys again on Thursday morning. Take care. Say goodbye your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.